I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Guitar Nerds is sponsored by Music Nomad, our favorite guitar maintenance tool manufacturing masters. You should check them out on musicnomadcare.com or on social media with at musicnomadcare. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast. I am your host, Joe Branson, joined this week by Matt Knight. Hello there. And from Reverend Guitars, returning once again, Ken Hass. Ken, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on again. How is everybody? It's good. Yeah, we're good. I'm good. I'm I'm enjoying the getting back to having people on the podcast because we hadn't done it for a little while, Matt. We would sort of we'd gone back to just having our, our regular hosts, and I had the wonderful Matt Oram from Fidelity Guitars on a couple of weeks ago. We don't we don't do the interview thing sort of as much as like Tone Mob. You know, have that as and Blake really has that as a backbone. But um, it's lovely to have back, um, you know, the people we really like. So, uh, so well, thank and you. Um, <laughs> and and Ken, I think you were the yeah the first and last person we interviewed just as we went into um, you know the black hole of of the last <laughs> of the last <laughs> two years. Um, so um, you know, this feels like a fresh start as as things feel somewhat normal again. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, and uh, and of course, uh, well, you know, one of one of the reasons, other than to just catch up with you, um, Ken, and, and all things Reverend, it's also a very important year for Reverend Guitars because you're celebrating your your 25th anniversary, which seems very long. That seems like an extraordinarily long time for a company I still think of as being, you know, very young and sprightly. Which I guess <laughs> in guitar terms, in in guitar terms, 25 years is. Uh, sort of young and sprightly amount of time, but it's still it feels it feels like a big number. Yeah, it's it is an it, it's it's an interesting concept, right? Because you know uh, we we compete with or share share the marketplace with you know so many legacy brands, and even like we don't really compete with Martin, but they've been around for what uh, three hundred and fifty years, <laughs> and, yeah. and uh, you know, and other there's other musical like Zildjian's been around for like eleven hundred years or whatever it is. And uh, Gibson's been around for like three thousand years, um, <laughs> so yeah. When when compared to a lot of the legacy brands, we are we are just you know we're we're in primary school still, right? It seems like. Um, but uh, no, it, it is twenty five years. It is it is amazing to me, 
And and it's incredible to me, like how much all of our lives have changed in the last 25 years, no matter who you are, you know, that's just like a, I don't want to be all like hippy dippy about it or whatever, but you know, I'm also 52. So I was quite a bit different 20 when I was 27 and this company was founded and I started working for the company when I was 29 and, um, wow, things have changed. Yeah, I mean the 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 company in itself has gone through such a huge evolution from you know from you know whatever pl- plastic body custom shops um, e- even even in the sort of the the relocation of the company. Yeah, in in I I mean I think a, a little bit of that is healthy, right? I, I one one of the things that they they say they say in business that that there's like miles like big milestones or obviously 25 is a big milestone but i mean when you're starting a new business if your new business lasts a year and then your new business lasts 5 years like they they those are big milestones because 98% of new businesses or something like that like fail within that time frame and then they say if your if your business cracks a million dollars in sales you know uh, which I don't know what's going on with the pounder. And we're not here to talk about modern monetary theory, but I think like a million dollars is like 12 pounds now or something. I don't know. Whatever. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but they say once you cross that milestone, that, 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 that is like, that, that's like an accomplishment, you know? And now Ian, we crossed that milestone like back in 2005 or six or something for the first time. And really? now wow. we're sitting here like 25 years into this and it, it and it, it seems it seems like what what we've arrived, <laughs> right? Like like at twenty five, yeah. It does. It still seems new to me in my mind, and I, I it's one of my favorite things. I, I tell this story all the time. One of the things that makes me the happiest is when I go to a guitar show um, here in the states. Like I we we frequent the Dallas International Guitar Festival quite a bit. That's you know open to the public, and it's a great show. And when we were over in Birmingham a couple years ago, where I met you guys face to face for the first time, I love it when I'm in an event like that and somebody comes up to me and says, "What's this? I've never heard of this. What's Reverend Guitars?" What, oh, what really? You know, and that that happens so that happens often enough that you know part of part of me wants to go, "Oh crap, our marketing department is failing." And then part of me, <laughs> right, because I'm, uh, you know, because you're, but then part of me, it, it gets so excited because there's so much more, there's so many more people in the, in the industry that we have to reach, you know, people who are really into it, who still aren't seeing us. And I don't want to just sit here and talk and monopolize all your time, but, but this is an interesting concept and I'd like to hear your take on this. So you know how it is because I, I can remember being this way before I started working for Joe in in the late nineties. I can remember in the early nineties when, when, um, when Fender and Gibson were really having their sort of like heyday, like their sort of redo, you know, they had their quality issues in the seventies and, and a lot of really good brands came along to compete with them in the eighties. And then they sort of figured out how to compete back. And by the early nineties, both of those companies were making pretty good guitars again. And, and I was really into like what, like the Fender, like American standard series at the time or whatever. And I can remember being an early 20 something or a mid 20 something and going into a music store. And if they didn't carry either of those brands, I was like, well, this isn't a real store. Like I can remember thinking that and, and, and having like the sort of blinders on, like you, 
you you're into you know we we talked about this before i'm like into ibanez and i'm into spensa and i i'm into a lot of a lot of i just like guitars man i like them all and i like just all vintage stuff or whatever and when you have the stuff that you're into and you walk into a store or you walk into a guitar show and you're just kind of looking for the stuff that you're into and you don't even see things that might be right in front of your face that are really sure. cool. If you know, if once, once you get into that mode and I was in that mode for a long time. And so, and I still sort of fight with that. I still want to like go to a trade show and see like, well, what's, you know, what are the, what are the new creatives coming out with? Like what's happening here? Does that make sense to you guys? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I totally, I feel like that all the time because you, you know, I, I, there was even something on this podcast I was going to ask you about that I knew would make me feel like there'd been something in front of my face that, that I'd, I'd missed. And we, we, I'll, I'll tell you what it is, but we'll talk about it maybe later if we, if we get time. I wanted to talk to you about car amps because the only time I've ever seen them was in, in videos that you shoot. And, and I'd just, they, they, I'd just never come across them before. And then, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll like, I'll look them up and check them out and I'll be like, oh, they're like really, really well established. And here are all these reviews that every single major publication has done on them for years. And I'm like, I, you know, I, I, they just pass me by. It happens all the time. If, if there's not, there's so much stuff out there. If you, you know, if you're not keeping a, a really broad view of everything, a real panoramic of everything that's going on. It's, it's so easy to get locked into just the things you like. And especially Ken, like, you know, I'm the same as you. I like, I really like vintage stuff. I spend a lot of my time obsessing over vintage stuff. And that means I miss a lot of the cool new things that, that come out. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah, I think um yeah, I, I quite often walk into many guitar shops and just I'm like, oh, they've got Gibson, they've got Fender, and they're the only things you see. And you just, you actually, you know, to your comment there about, oh, if they didn't stock Fender or Gibson, they weren't a real shop. And now I'm just thinking, oh, if they stock Fender and Gibson, they're sort of just the same as everyone else. <laughs> right. And well, yeah. Sort of and the, that's 30 years. 30 years is, has has done that. That's just a time. Yeah. You know, and I, I actually think from, you know, someone who works, you know, in the industry, you know, from another brand, I think it's really easy for you to get blinkered about what other well about what people perceive of your brand like you say someone goes comes up to the reverend booth and it's like oh 
what's this? And like, I still speak to people going, oh, I hadn't seen this this boss pedal that you'd released. And I'm like, it's been out for two years. And you, and you, <laughs> just, you just forget that actually there's so many people you can talk to and there's so many great people out there who are waiting to pick up your guitar for the first time, you know, one of your guitars for the first time and go and do something with it. And that's an incredibly exciting prospect to go. The person who's never heard of our brand before could go and buy one and they could make the next, you know, great guitar tone that makes it onto an album. I think that's so exciting rather than going, oh, well, everyone knows about our brand. And if you ever get to that point, you've kind of peaked like you can't sell anymore because everyone knows and if they know about it they would have bought one so yeah Yeah, and we have a lot of we have a lot of that because the the, in the last 25 years and the the other thing that trips us trips me up here sometimes too um is we've obviously done a lot of things and so somebody who has just gotten into our brand over the last few years and they start getting into stuff and then they'll see a guitar that we don't make anymore and we get a lot of questions about things that we don't make anymore. And, and I yeah. constantly have to remind myself, you know, and it, because I have to tell people, you know, well, it's it's an evolution. And we're always like, Naylor is always working on the guitars and even guitars that we have that we've been selling for many years, you know, I, I don't know, our double agent model, for example, or our Club King model or whatever. Um, specifications have changed quite a bit over the last 15 years, say that we've had those models out or 18 years or 20 years. Good Lord, time flies. Um, and with that, I, there, there's a reason for that, you know, and, and some of that is, well, the market is, you know, has leaned a little bit. Like I, if you would have told me 15 years ago that we were going to have roasted maple necks on all of our bolt-on bottles, I would have <laughs> said, what the hell is roasted maple? Um, and, and it was around, you know, but it wasn't anything that was sort of widely available or, or accepted or even really what the benefits of it were going to be, you know, like they are mm-hmm. now. So the, like little things have changed. And, and, and one of those, those questions, that 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 is easy for me to get frustrated is when somebody says well why don't, why don't you why don't you do this thing that you used to do anymore and and it's easy to get frustrated when you get that question a lot because like you said with the boss thing well in your mind you're like but we do this now you know <laughs> but but then but really what you need what I what you what I need to remind myself is you need to be flattered right because I'm really glad that you like that. And here, and let me, let me tell you why we don't do it anymore and, and why we're doing, you know, this instead or whatever. And then, and then always take, you know, people's considerations and people's opinions in, into consideration because um, absolutely. And that's, that's because yeah, nothing, that's, nothing has to go common. away forever. <laughs> Like, like <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not true. currently making a manta ray model, but boy, we have an idea, you know, and we just need time to realize it. It's, all- it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. Even I think like last last week you put out you did a, a live stream that I was watching about it was the 25, 25th anniversary live stream that you did. And uh, when you start taking questions at the end, I think like the first question was about, uh, I can't remember what model it was now, but it was about a model that was discontinued after you'd spent 20 minutes talking about like the three 25th anniversary models, you know. You know. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, uh, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, yeah, yeah. it happens. 
<laughs> and, and yeah, and like, but it's always a work in progress. You know, I, I mean, I don't. There are legacy models that I that I think will always make, of course. You know, um, but I I don't think that we should just you know, make the same three guitars and the same three colors forever and ever and ever. It's got to sort of ebb and flow and we want to keep it interesting. And, and as technology changes, as time goes on, you know, Joe's ideas change and mm. what Joe thinks works like, like we have this new Billy Corgan model, right? We were probably, you guys probably have that down to get to in this broadcast. Yeah, um, yeah, and, absolutely. And, well, let's do that now. Yeah, right. Okay. So, but that that and that plays into this. So, when we did the BC one and and we launched it in twenty fifteen or sixteen, um, it absolutely suited all what Corgan wanted in electric guitar in that moment. And if you were to ask Corgan about it now. He st- he still maintains that the the first Billy Corgan signature model is the ultimate guitar for him to record modern guitar sounds. He loves it, right. and and when he's going into the studio to write new music, that's what he plays. And as a matter of fact, the Pumpkins just put out a whole bunch of stuff about of him in the studio playing the original signature model, which is interesting because we're in the middle of the this big blitz for round two. But I think that's awesome because we have every intention, I never say never, we have every intention of offering that original model with those original pickups, uh, both in Reverend and Railhammer for the time being, because there's still enough interest in them. And it's so unique looking and it's become yeah. a brand identifier. That first Billy Corgan model mm-hmm. with those pick guards, I yeah, see references to that everywhere, right? It's a thing. Yeah. As time went on, Billy touring more, and and of course, when a band like the Smashing Pumpkin goes out on tour, now he's got 30 years worth of material that he needs to choose from when he plays a gig. And he sort of, he has, I've heard him make the sort of human jukebox joke. Um but he's, you know, he has to go back and, and do some of these older songs because that's what rock concert stuff is. You know what I mean? Yeah. We all know how yeah. it works. And and if, you know, somebody went to see the Smashing Pork Pumpkins and they didn't hear, uh, you know, Chair Rock or whatever, they'd be bummed. So he's an entertainer and he's there to make people happy. So what Billy found is when he was playing songs off of his first two or three records with the modern guitar that he was missing something like he was getting too much mid range um, out of his signature model to use on some of those older things. And now with the modern gain structure that he likes, the heavy mids are perfect, but with the older gain structure that he's trying to mimic as he's trying to mimic the sound from stuff off of melancholy or whatever um, he was, he was struggling with the new guitar and so he started to play the exact guitars that he toured with back then, you know, to mimic that tone. And um, when questioned, you know, and Joe and I, he's Billy Corgan. Like people, people have really, really funny ideas about how signature stuff and artist relations work. Um, you know, we didn't go to Billy Corgan and say, hey, man, you can't play those guitars anymore because that's insane. He's Billy Corgan. <laughs> like he can play whatever the hell he wants to play. I mean, that that's just, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Um, but we did ask him the question, is there something that our guitar is not hitting 
for you that that is making you you know do that go back to those older guitars and he explained it to us and joe said well we'd like the opportunity to address that and corgan was like yeah i mean have at it you know and then this new instrument came out of that conversation um hence us using using alder for the body wood for the first time in the company's history um, and then we made some tweaks to the pickups to have them hit a little bit more of, uh, of the highs and the lows, um, without having the mid range be so spiked or pronounced and Joe nailed it. I mean, Joe's that, that is why Joe is our, um, our designer. And that is that he, cause he, he can hear what Billy Corgan was describing. And then he knows how to change the physical attributes of the guitar to hit what Corgan was looking for. Um, and so now we have a second Corgan signature model and he's using it. He loves it. I mean, it's, it's obviously out there and he got it out there before we got it released, you know, <laughs> which is a great, which is a great problem to have. I, he's so, the fact that he was so happy with it, that he, you know, paraded it out there for, for such a long time before we really got it going is, is a huge compliment in itself. So, so the signature model thing is is a work in progress, right? Um, Gabrell's is the same way. You know, he was doing one thing, and then as he got the Cure gig, uh, he was doing another thing, and the Space Hawk came along. I can't even keep track of how many signature things he has. <laughs> and then and then he he'll have an idea. Well, I'm doing this gig, and I could really use a guitar that does this. And it's a good idea, you know, and you're like, yeah, okay, we'll sure we'll do a fourth model for you. But it's but it's because it's a good idea. It's a, it's a cool that Dirt Bike Royale is a really cool guitar. And we're not doing anything really quite like that in the line. So it fills a niche for us while it's filling a niche for Reeves. And so going forward with it makes sense. And and it should be a work in progress, right? Like you shouldn't be um I don't know, man, as these guys, as their, their, their careers develop or, or, or go forward and reverend as reverend, you know, goes forward through 25 years, you know, the needs of us here are changing. The needs of our Mm. players are changing. The age of our artist roster is changing as we start to work with a lot of younger guys and a lot of younger women. And we hear, you know, feedback. People want this. People want that. Somebody's looking for something specific. And uh, we want to do that. You know, we want to work with with younger players and give them what they're looking for. So you will see changes in, in the line. Um, and so the trick is, of course, is to try to make everybody happy, right? Isotope and Native Instruments have teamed up to create the start-to-finish bundle that home recording guitar nerds have been waiting for. Plus, you, dear listener, get an extra 10% off with guitar nerds by using discount code NERDS10 at the checkout on isotope.com. From the creative spark to the final touch, their new bundles include pretty much everything you could possibly need, which is great because it's far too easy to sink hundreds of pounds and a big chunk of your time into just picking up random plugins. The music production suite 4.1 and Complete 13 bundle contains over 30 intelligent mixing, mastering and repair plugins, 65 premium instruments, 20 plus expansions and over 35,000 sounds. 
And if that's a bit basic for you, they've also bundled Music Production Suite 4.1 with Complete 13 Ultimate, which gives you everything that makes Complete 13 incredible, plus a colossal library of added synths, sampled instruments and effects. 115 plus premium instruments and effects, 39 native instruments expansions and over 65,000 sounds. It sounds like a lot. It is. It's very good, very comprehensive, and as we've come to expect from Isotope, it's very good value. If you're looking to get into home recording, I cannot recommend it more highly. And if you're already into home recording, it it really is the one-stop shop for making what you do sound better. This podcast is entirely treated and produced using Isotope plugins, and Native Instruments have been responsible for almost every synth or sample you've heard on our Guitar Nerds jingles. Check out their great new bundles on isotope.com or follow links in the description of this podcast and use discount code NERDS10 at the checkout for 10% off anything in the Isotope arsenal. (laughs) Well, I mean, you you know, Reverend must have one of the largest signature model ranges of any brand, I I would imagine, at the moment. And they're freakishly (laughs) weird, too. I'm really proud of that. I, I think it's awesome that there's so um, that there's so many like unique. Yeah, it's so broad. It's so mm. diverse. The 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 range of uh, of, our, of of signature models. I mean, it's almost like uh, even the way sort of you present signature models as an idea on, on the website. It's like its own thing. It's like there's these are guitars, these are basses, and these are signatures. They're like a, a an entire category of their own because there are just so many. And they're supposed to. In my mind, like a signature model is supposed to be specific to the artist who's playing it, right? Like when we do these things, it's not, I think the last time I was on with you guys, I talked at length about Mike Watts bass. Um, And and we've done a sort of a, um, we've added to that with a a bass, a Mark II, he's calling it. And that is, it's, it's the same as the Corgan story. I mean, he went out and toured a bunch with the Mark one, and then he had this idea um, for one of the bands that he was working in where the band gets very, very quiet. And he was looking for a sort of a different tone that he could switch back and forth to. And, uh, and we sort of came up with working with him, came up with the idea for the Mark II bass. And that was born out of him playing our the original model for a few years. And then he's like, hey, let's try this. But even before we got to that point with Mike, when I originally asked him about doing a signature model, he was like, well, I like your basis, but I really do my own thing. Well, yeah, it's your own thing that we want to address. Yeah, yeah. You're not just asking him to do a custom color in one of your existing models. It's, and it's I color. love when that happens. You know, the, the the Matt West thing, you know, your your yeah. guy from Wales over there. I called him your guy. I don't know if we even know him. <laughs> <laughs> He's from Wales. Well, oh, we're all Matt, friends. That's that's actually you, the guitar you have, isn't it? That's the Rebel yeah, you exactly. have, Matt. I think, Yo, I, think the, I use, I think, it's, I it's think my it's, favorite. Yeah, because then that, that he got a Jetstream 390 from me a couple of them and was touring with neck deep and, and he called me and said, I love this guitar. I'm never going to play another guitar. I have found my home. This is it. (laughs) And he said, if this guitar only had a bridge pickup and a reverse headstock, it would be the perfect guitar. And he said that to me and he had a signature. It was the fastest. We went from hi, how you doing to signature model in the history of the company. Cause it was, this was like a week later. And I was like, I, as soon as he said that, I saw it in my head. It was like, oh, dude, I'll make that. That sounds great. It really, because I wanted one. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and it's, yeah, it's just a super cool stripped down, you know, rock guitar. It's a it's a great instrument. It's, and um, 
You know, it's a lot of fun to see it out there. So in, in his case, we have something that's more just different features of something that we're offering in the line already, you know. Um, and then to the other end of the spectrum where, you know, we have stuff like that we do with Reeves or, or Watt yeah. or Billy. The where Gristle we, 90. Yeah, did it right. And the Gristle 90, yeah, where we just started from the ground up. We didn't have that. Last time I talked to you, the Gristle no, 90 was, was delayed a lot by all of that COVID stuff. Yeah, just had the standard one at that point. But I think just um, to, to to kind of, I guess, to, to finish that off, I think, like you said, it's, it's really good that just to go... I guess they say like performance is a moving scale and, and I kind of feel that with guitars and, and what you're doing is it's like, you've got to move forward because if you make the same three models, you're only catering to the people that want those three models now. And then for the next, what, two years, five years, 10 years. And then all of the new people have gone, well, I'm playing this. And if you can offer a lot of signatures and, and I think you said that a lot of artists, it's, it's their idea. And, and actually that idea fills a gap in your product range, anyway or feels an idea that's just not out there in the world that's again moving guitars forward and i think that's what we need more of realistically you know to see artists going and for you for you and the team to be more open to go i want to do this and i think we need to do this because it's gonna bring something new to guitar um and that's only going to just drive the industry forward. And I think that's such a great thing to be able to do. And just sort of like, I guess in some ways, like no holds barred when it comes to what the artist wants to do in initial conversations. I'm sure there's some crazy ideas out there, but, you know, you always land on something. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, I mean, when you're working with, I, I, I'm not going to make, you know, weird so, I mean, something that's, that's too outlandish. I'm not interested in making like a lightning bolt guitar body or anything like that, or, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, th but yeah, for the most part, the people that we work with are attracted to us because of what we're doing to begin with. So then the ideas that they have, um, you know, sort of coincide or fit in with, with our brand as it were, you know, fit in with what mm. we're doing as a brand um, because they already like us, you know, they already like what's happening here. Um, mm. which is cool. Yeah. You know, uh, working with the Greg thing was really fun. I, I, I didn't really think about that. Um, I mean, right in January of 2020, Naylor and I went to Fishman to develop the, um, the gristle 90 pickups oh, really? along oh. with the Fishman people. So that became a very specific thing. So Greg, Greg really liked our P nineties. Right. And, and you really like Nailers P90s are, are, are whatever we call them, HA90, I believe. I'm, I'm really bad with, like, letters and numbers and stuff. <laughs> um, but they uh, – so when we prototyped Greg's guitar, we obviously didn't have Fishman pickups to put in it. So we prototyped his guitar with our pickups and got the guitar to Greg for his approval, and he played it, and he loved it. And um, – and then, so then he wanted to, you know, bring, so fit, he was talking to Fishman about them developing a signature set of soap bar style, P90 style pickups for him. And now we had a platform to sort of test them in. And so what went on for, you know, right, like us in early 2020, um, we went out with a couple different versions of this guitar and, um, and dialed in. 
Greg's pickups to basically sound like ours because he thought the guitar sounded great, you know, and so we we didn't want to stray too far from that. And um, and the the Fishman people, the way they EQ the fluent stuff is really cool. I mean, it's very it's a very modern product, you know. As you yeah. know, I mean, it's it's quite a bit different from a standard, um, you know, a standard passive magnetic pickup or whatever. And so we were able to EQ those pickups in real time, which is a fascinating thing to take part in. And I'm so glad Naylor was there because Naylor and Greg and the gentleman from Fishman who were doing this together, you know, imagine sitting at a laptop and, and listening to Greg play and changing the EQ of the pickups in real time. Yeah. It's yeah, rad, that's, dude. It's really that's, cool. That's very weird. That's super sci-fi stuff. It really was. It, was. it was a really interesting thing to just be a fly on the wall and be like, wow, this is really something. And, and you know, they nailed it. It's what they do. Oh, and, yeah. It's it's a fantastic guitar. I mean, you must be so proud of it, and I'm sure Greg is too. But it's, It uh, is so cool. Yeah, it's so much fun. And Greg is so much fun. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we just, yeah. The, so the whole, that that was also a very successful thing that we've, done since the last time i talked to you it's just been a hoot you know yeah <laughs> and, and uh what um it won uh it won the gristle 91 best guitar nerds guitar of last year i think it was it was uh uh adrian thorpe who 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 i don't think uh adrian thorpe from thorpe effects was uh was one of our guest judges on it now i don't think he'd seen it before we started doing the podcast series and uh and when we when, you know, when I, I share around the link for, for each guitar and I think whatever I'd sent him, he wasn't into the colour. And he was sort of, he was he was a bit, you know, he was on the fence about it. And then he found, an, I don't know what, I can't remember what the colour was. He found another colour option for it and went from being lukewarm about it to purchasing one off of Anderton's whilst we were podcasting. <laughs> so, and then... That's and great. Was, yeah. So it, it won an account of that. But it, it's, it's a great guitar. Yeah. I think... Um... I guess one question I had you talking about all this and and talking about the intre- the you know the industry moving forward and obviously you coming on board what two years into reverence history or you know a few years so how what was I guess what was like Naylor's vision when he started and when you first started going you know walking going around to shops and being like oh we're trying to sell I don't know ten guitars or whatever and like oh it'd be great if we made this model one day to you know where you're sitting now going did did you ever see the business being where it is now 25 years ago um it was uh the you know, with the original guitars i mean it was a tough sell they were they were pretty pretty outside the box but the mm. whole idea from the start was joe wanted to make like it sounds so cliche because everything does in this business when you break it right now, right? <laughs> but I mean, Joe wanted to make affordable working man guitars, like you know, for your weekend warrior cover guy, you know, or or original music bar gig guy that has the day job, and when he mm-hmm. he wants to to be able to have a professional grade quality instrument that stays in tune that gets the tones that he's looking for at an affordable price 
And as as time has gone on, you know, and that whole thing that you know, custom shop quality and and, but with you know, with affordability. And mm. when one of the reasons, one of the ways that he addressed that at the very beginning was those original phenolic bodied guitars. We were able to assemble them without any paint, and that really cut down on the cost of the instrument. Where it shot us in in the foot, I think, in our uh, initial original marketing was then we would go out and present these guitars and basses to people. Uh, my good friend uh, Johnny Cola from Long Island, New York, was working with us at a guitar show in Long Island in like 1999 or 2000, and he was showing basses to a bunch of dudes, and there were a bunch of dudes, and and they they came around and they were just ripping away on on one of our basses at the time. And Johnny says, you know, I mean, a thousand bucks, you can be taking that to a gig. And this guy's response was, I'd be laughed off the stage if I showed up at a gig with a thousand dollar bass. But this thing plays and sounds every bit as good as the thing that I'm using. And so there's so many weird perception things that come into play in this business. But that was a real eye opener for us. It was like, oh, that's, that's odd, you know? And so it, it. As we started going forward and and trying to sort of hit that niche, um, with the phenolic bodies, it wasn't happening. Um, I went to uh, I would show them to to bigger artists, and they would look at me and they were like, "Oh, I'm not into the Dano thing, or I'm not into the plastic thing, or whatever." And it would be like, "What well, you really need to try this and 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 hear how it plays and." And, and, and how, you know, lightweight it is and, and the tone of it and, and stay in the tune, you know, the tuning stability and all that kind of stuff. And they'd just say, yeah, but I'm not really into that, the way it looks or whatever. And be like, okay. Right. And so, you know, we experimented with a lot of things. And when we finally settled on, on, on having mere music uh, in Korea, build some prototypes for us. And we got some prototypes of some original designs that Joe had going. And I started showing those to artists. I could see it clicking with people immediately. Mm. I mean, it was just like, just sort of taking Joe's aesthetic, but having a more traditional build for the electric guitar. Immediately the tide sort of changed. And while we were proud of what we had done up to that point, we could tell that its days were numbered the second we started um, bringing in chargers and jet streams. It, I mean, it was it, the writing was on the wall. And then to 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 go out and see people be excited about what we were we were starting to do was very very exciting for Joe and I. Um, but the mission didn't change. So the mission was to provide that guitar that that can go out and play every weekend can go out on tour and be played night after night after night and have that guitar that you are seeing Robin Fink from nine inch nails play, or that you're seeing shade from code orange play when you go and then you go to the store, you get online to buy that guitar. You're buying that exact guitar that they're playing. They're not up there with some $8,000 hand built out of made out of wood from a tree that nailer peed on when he was a child (laughs) custom version of that whatever goofy thing is you know no i mean these guys are up there i I had great story you know about the cure um they had they had a bunch of equipment get wet on a tarmac going through customs customs agents in a country which shall remain nameless opened up a bunch of stuff and left it open in the rain can you believe that 
and oh they they got to Chicago to play Riot Fest, and Reeves needed a guitar, and. I called up Chicago Music Exchange and they grabbed a couple of jet streams. They didn't have any of his signature models in stock at the time. And they grabbed a couple of jet streams off the wall and took them over to Reeves and he played them at Riot Fest. And they're still in the Cure traveling rig, by the way. I still see one of those guitars every once in a while and giggle. But I mean, that's the point, though, you know, is, is yeah. that is that we've, you know, that these guitars are good enough to be doing that. And so there's trade-offs, you know, as far as, as the, um, I mean, nothing serious obviously you know what i mean but the build quality and the tuning stability and the electronics and all of that stuff are there it's a pro level instrument in every way and yeah we might not have you know the fanciest you know 10 5a flame blah blah whatever you know whatever all that stuff is i might not have that stuff available but there's people that do that and do that really really well you know mm. like like we might have some fun and like, you know, pick on like everybody does in this industry. You pick on the people that, that do the high end stuff. You know what I mean? You've got this like crazy $30,000 less Paul and you like point and giggle at it or some crazy like PRS thing. And you're like, oh, you know, well, that's not made for play. I, uh, but I like all that stuff. You know, I like all the like I. You like you like the dentist guitars. Oh as well, man, I you? like the dentist guitars. They're <laughs> super cool, and they drive an end of this industry that is amazing. You know what I mean? And that's a really cool thing. Um, yeah. And and I I like I said, I want my guitar to play, I I in a lot of cases, my guitar will play better and stay in tune better and sound better than a lot of that stuff. You know. The time has come on this week's podcast to hear some gear. So let's check out some of the complete amplification and effects solutions available from Neural DSP and their plugins. We've teamed up with Neural DSP a bunch over the last year or two. Matt and I are big fans of what they do and we'd like you to become a part of that. So use discount code, that's right, it's a discount code, guitarnerds at neuraldsp.com for 30%, a whopping 30% off of any of their plugins. It's worth noting that you get a 14-day free trial with any of their plugins with no credit card required. So if you just want to see what all the fuss is about, you've got a whole two weeks on them with any of their amps and effects. Now this week, I'm checking out the Omega Ampworks Granifier plugin suite. Now Neural DSB described this suite as providing everything from dirty blues to crushing metal. This dark horse is sure to surprise you. And it it sure did surprise me. I, I'm I'm buzzing whilst I'm recording this uh, this little ad. It, it's such a simple suite. It's one amp head based on the Omega Ampworks Granifier, one pedal, which the Earthquaker devices plumes, and yet I'm probably going to switch to using this amp for everything. The depth of tone, the articulation, the great low gain and high gain tones, the massive amount of fantastic artist and neural DSP presets. It gave me a surprisingly vast collection of drive tones that I think are literally going to cover me for everything I do. Here's a track I built using only presets from the Omega Suite.
That's the Omega Amprox Granifier plug-in suite from Neural DSP. Check it out on neuraldsp.com and use discount code GUITARNERDS at the checkout for 30% off any of their amp and effects plugins. Sure. It's, and that's the whole backbone, isn't it? It's, it's, you've said it already, but it's about making workhorse instruments that you may be slightly less afraid to throw around, but that means you're going to get more out of it than if you're being super careful. Yeah, and, and I, I, I get this... I get this call from artists a lot, and and uh, and I still over the course of the last twenty five years, I have heard this a bunch of times. Where a touring musician will call me and will say, "I've been touring for the last ten years with the seventy two telly that I got when I was a kid, and I think I want to retire it because it has so much sentimental value to me. I don't think I want to take it on the road anymore." And, um, you know, can I get, you know, a couple of East Siders from you or a Greg Cockmodel or whatever, whatever the guitar that started that conversation was, or I have this yeah. old junior that I've had forever and ever, and I want to take a Reeves Gabrels out or what, because I, you know, and I, I think that that is, I have nothing but respect for that. I think that's bad to the bone. I think it's really cool, um, that we can sort of fill that niche, but then like you said, yeah. And then if they're, you know, if they have a, problem somewhere the guitar gets stolen you know these billy corgan z1s they're they're super cool and weird and sort of oddly specific or whatever but the guitar that we're selling is the exact guitar that billy's playing so if billy's over in europe and something happened his guitars get stolen he can call up anderton's or merchant city or or whoever the case you know whatever the case may be and get one and keep going because it's going to go right to the state Mm, i've Joe, we were actually talking about the same thing last week with Music Man, you know, and, and we actually went to the Music Man factory a couple of years ago. And, and again, the same thing, the guitars that come off the line are the same ones that go out to the artist. And if the artist makes a change, then the change goes into the production. And, uh, you know, I think that's I think that just builds so much brand confidence, which, again, has been obviously a real plus point for you and to have so many super high profile artists and players but i think coming back to you know to to your to your mission statement as well i think you've been so it's been so good to see that actually there's been a a rise and an understanding and a big appreciation for guitars that aren't made in america or in japan they're made in korea or these other there's other factories and they're affordable and they're great and people have been able to buy more than one guitar regularly you know guitars used to be a big and expensive purchase and i think you know people would be in like oh, i really want a fender but if i'm gonna buy one i've got to buy an american one or or whatever you know like, oh, i know i would never play a guitar from you know over here and and you know we often talk about on the podcast you know amazing squires for 200 two hundred dollars or or whatever and i think that's been the great thing for for you guys is a thousand you know a thousand bucks on average you know maybe a little bit more a little bit less but great solid consistency and people were like yeah guitars from korea are great you must have been one of the first brands that really started to do it properly and experimenting with finishes and things like baked maple i feel that there were a lot of curves that you were slightly ahead of yeah, and there's 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 a lot of brands. There, there's a lot of good stuff made in Korea. That's you know, in and it's a it's a difficult market. It's an interesting thing to discuss. And um, I, I had told you uh, earlier that I'm going to be heading over there next month to look at a few things, which I'm really 
interested in doing. But I, Korea largely, um, and this doesn't come as any surprise to anybody, but I mean, Korea is a first world economy country. And there's not a lot of difference with doing business in Korea and doing business in Japan and as opposed to some mm. other areas that are emerging, right? And so what we end up with in, in Korea is we're doing business there because the work is good and because the, the factory has been established. Our factory has been there for three generations um, and they know what they're doing. And that's the reason why we're working with them. If that same factory with the same history was in Mexico or was in, I, I don't even know where else. If it was anywhere, I mean, I, I would be, I would want to look at that and, and talk to them or whatever. Um, you know, it's because of, 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 of a lot of reasons. Um, it's difficult to do a startup here in the States doing stuff, mm. doing what we're doing. And to do it in our price range is damn near impossible, uh, which is, one of the reasons why, and then we have ideas. And so our point is we want to find the person that is, that is the best at realizing the ideas that we have. And it just so happens that Mir was the best one. Um, and they, they made the necks and the pickups for the original guitar. So we had experience with them. So when we grew, it was an easy thing to sort of transition into. So we, we've been working with, with them for a very, very long time. And I, and I think that that's, you know, um, in America, there's this like, you know, fear of, of globalization or something that that's going on. And I, I don't, I don't understand that. And this is not the forum for politics. Um, I just, I, my interest is in selling guitars all over the world. And when you, you have a good product, then you're able to sell guitars all over the world. And so wherever in the world that you realize the sources for your product is what it is, you know, and, and electric guitars and guitars in general are very unique in that, the you're selling us some of the parts and the parts come from all over the place. I mean, maple comes from Canada and Karina comes from South uh, America somewhere or in Africa somewhere, depending on, you know, the, the limba tree and where you're sourcing your limba from. And, and mahogany obviously comes from different places and, and rosewood comes from different places of the country. And then your electronics come from here and the metal comes from here. And yeah, you break down any product that you have from, I mean, any product that you have from any industry. And the way the world works is that uh, we all have to sort of work together to make these things happen. And guitars are no different. Um, and uh, I, I'm just, you know, I'm just happy to sit here and look at the end result and be like, damn, that's cool. <laughs> well, well, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and we, you know, we should talk about the three things that you've released for um, the, the 25th anniversary as well. Because I, I did think it was an interesting um, three choices uh it's it's funny how many people have i you know i obviously we thought about it but i'm i'm surprised at how many other people have thought about it and want to talk to me about it you know what i mean um so i'll just tell you what i think and tell me if you're sort of on board with that so we wanted to to sort of do uh a little bit of like modern and a little bit of classic and so when it came to the base the decision base was the number one selling base over the last 
Really? Hey, More than the what plow? Oh, I guess it's been around longer than the what plow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And but we so we made a we made a conscious conscious decision right up front to leave the signature models out of this. Um, you know, because it would have just been a cosmetic change to something that's already there. And yeah, we didn't, we, we didn't. And then how do you, what do you do? How do you do that? How do you go to somebody? Well, we're going to, we're going to offer your guitar in a 25th anniversary <laughs> edition, but not yours. So it was either do one signature model or do all right. So yeah. we decided to leave the signature stuff out of it. Um, but nailer when, so the color of the 25th anniversaries is our metallic silver freeze, which we've been doing for a number of years. So that was the only color available in the Reeves Cabral Sustaniac for a number of years. And then we've offered it in a few things and it's been insanely popular in our double agent OG model. And oh, so color. that was, yeah. And then of course, silver is the anniversary is the 25th anniversary color. So that was an easy fit. And I love that everyone's calling it the blue one. As yeah, well. right. I know. It's <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, but the reason why they're doing that is because that aluminum. So the aluminum pickguard, Naylor liked the look of the aluminum pickguard on that color on the Billy Corgan Z1. So that was where we decided to pull the aluminum pickguard over to it. And then once you have that sort of matte aluminum finish next to the silver, it really does pull out the blue and the silver. Because you're you're seeing like more of a gray right next to it, you know. Um, so I'm I'm totally down with that blue one. I don't care because it is. I mean, it's we call it metallic silver freeze as a sort of homage to you know like the vintage color, like a you know ice color, whatever it is. Um, and then so the decision base was chosen just on the popularity of that model. And then we wanted to do the six-gun HPP because it was a newer model to the line, and we wanted to do something that was now. You know what I mean? Well, this is something that we just released within the last, you know, year, year and a half or whatever, and so we wanted to offer it on this. And then the junior was just me going, damn, this – this color scheme would look so cool on the junior because the junior pick guard with the swoop and the, you know, and then the single P90 with the ebony and the black headstock to set it off. And that was really, and then once I said that, like Naylor was like, Oh yeah, that would be really cool. Oh, that that's the one for me out of the, out of the lineup, the sen- the sensei junior works so well uh, in this finish. And also the, the lovely 12th fret um, inlay that you've gone for the Roman numerals of 25. It just, it's great. It looks fantastic, especially on the sensei, I think. I am glad you think so. It is very cool, but I was surprised not to see the charger in there. Sort of. Oh, I know, but you know where. So where do you stop? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) right. Yeah, that's (laughs) because at some point you have to go. Okay, you know, no, but but we we offered a base and we offered a bolt on and we offered a set neck and then we that was you know here you go. Um, We are going to keep them into the line as we move into next year because we didn't make enough of them and the demand has been overwhelming. So. Um, we are going to be offering them a, a little bit into next year. Oh, right. It, it, it completely as they are, still with 25 on the on the fretboard. Oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. I thought there'd be just, you know, super limited edition. Um, so that's cool that you're kind of extending. The, yeah. I think we went a little bit too limited on them, you know. Right. Um, and uh, and I'm glad that people like them so much because, I mean, I sure do. I I kept one each. <laughs> I'm known to do that. <laughs> But I, I think it's important. 
one of the, you know, Joe, um, I tell this story a lot too, but Joe is very much, uh, like whatever we're doing now is what he's excited about. And a lot, in a lot of cases he designs for himself. Like the, the air sonic is really the Joe Naylor signature guitar. Um, because it fulfilled a bunch of things that he was looking for in an instrument that had never really been addressed before. And, um, and I think that that's really cool because Joe, you know, plays and records and writes and has things going on. And, and a lot of the instrument development comes directly from Joe's personal needs. Right. Right. Um, and so as, as Joe goes forward, with that, he often doesn't think about his past and Joe hasn't kept anything like Joe has no, <laughs> he, Joe has serial number one, which he actually sold. And the person who he sold it to got it back to him eventually because he thought it was important that Joe have it, which I think is fabulous. Um, I wish he would have thought it was important that the company have it, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad that Joe has it. Cause it's important. It's important. It's his legacy, you know? And um, me, I I've been, I'm a little more, I become a little more attached to things. I'm more of a hoarder as it were. Uh, and of guitars in general, I have a, a, a absolutely stupid collection of instruments, but but um, I've saved a lot of the things that we've done over the last 25 years. And I've saved a lot of firsts, um, you know, a lot of prototypes. And when we do an artist thing that I think is special or whatever, or it connects with me, you know, I have a lot of teardrop cases that are bagged up and tagged on shelves in the warehouse of things. Because I don't know, I think as a company goes forward, I think it's nice to be able to to say, you know, yeah, I've, I've got that here to look at if we want to reference something or you know, and then I take them out and play with them. So, do you uh, do you think you know you, you talk about uh, Joe designing for himself, and it it reminded me of something that you said on the um, uh, on the the Ken and Greg show on your uh, on 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 the Reverend YouTube. Oh, thanks for watching. Oh no, cool. well you've made it a whole three seasons now. It's uh, it's it's been a, a full three seasons of that show. But it, it, you you were talking about. Um, the HPP and about how um, I, about how I guess the, the early ones were, were were more in HSS. The, well, the reason for going for HPP was because Joe didn't like the balance of a humbucker with single coils. Yeah, it didn't make sense to him, and it and it, it's funny to me because I can see I can see a place for both. Years ago, Joe did a model called the Commando. And the commando had a full-size humbucker in the bridge and a lipstick pickup in the neck. And that guitar is so odd. And uh, and, I, and obviously there's like a surf caster influence there maybe a little bit too, right? Um, but the thing with that is I used it in a, in a band that I was in where I had to do this like acoustic strumming thing. But then I, I occasionally had rip leads and it was really, really, so it didn't matter that the pickups didn't balance because I was using two channel amps and I was playing the lipstick through the clean channel and the humbucker through the lead channel. So who cares, right? Um, and so I always thought of like the, the HSS or the HSH thing like that. If you think about how Vi uses you know, I mean, the gem has got to be one of the best-selling signature models of all time. And he's yeah. not worried about balance with the single coil because he uses 
those middle positions for completely different things when you listen to his, you know, whether you listen to his records or listen to him live, you can hear the different tones that he's getting. And he has his rig set up to balance with that. But now what if you want to get single coil tones and you don't have a rig that's set up like that specifically for it, you know, and, and you're, you've got this great like neck pickup lead sound that you like, cause you like a single coil neck pickup lead sound and, but you switch to the humbucker and then you're completely blowing out your amp, you know, if you're using, you know, deluxes or cars or single coil things or whatever. And I think that's where Joe came was coming from with the HPP, we had done a couple of HSS uh, custom runs for our friends here in the States at Wildwood Guitars. And um, and Joe was playing around with the idea on the HSS of having the bass contour only work on the humbucker. So you could roll the bass contour completely off and then switch back and forth on the five-way switch ah, between the humbucker right. okay. and the two single coils and have a pretty well-balanced guitar. Um, really, it was an interesting concept. And then that sort of led him to, well, what if we took it the other direction and then had those, the mid range presence of P nineties in the middle of the neck. And, uh, and it's, Oh wow. Hey, that's, you know, and then we prototyped it and I am, as I am talking to you, I am looking at the prototype hanging on the wall because <laughs> I just love it. I just, I just think the guitar absolutely rips. It's a surprisingly uncommon pairing. Like, it doesn't sound unusual to say, like, you know, a humbucker and a pair of P90s, but I, I can't think of any others. I, there's, I don't think there's any other glaring examples of, oh, I mean, you know, sort of just off the off the peg guitars with that pickup. Yeah, we kind of, we stumbled on something that works. And it works. The, the in-between settings on that guitar sound great, you know, and and I'm not one in our traditional range for really worrying about like hum canceling and things of that nature. And I years ago modded I you again I you know I like Ibanez okay everybody knows it and every pick on me about it all you want to people it's fine. <laughs> uh, but I, my first guitar that I bought new was an RG570, and I used to really like the way a full-sized humbucker and a single coil sounded when they were turned on together. And one of the things that I did not like about those guitars was when you went to position two and position four, it killed a coil in the humbucker. Um, and of course you got the full noise canceling thing, but it also, there was some, a phasing thing that happened there and you couldn't really hear the humbucker anymore. It sounded like you went from having a humbucker on in the bridge to having a pair of single coils. And I think there's something to be said for that full humbucker sound mixed with the middle pickup. I think it's cool. And I, um, I dis I rewired my original RG 570 to just have that, to leave the humbucker on full when I went to position two and I would play that guitar in position two with full game all the time. I thought it was just a killer, there was like an articulate thing that you would get that would cut through a ton of game with that. And I get that with the six gun with the HPP. It's the same thing. You know, when you go to position two, the humbucker is still on. And so yeah. it sounds great. And we've done that all along. We did that with the Gil Paris model for 15 years, you know, before we got into the HPP thing. And that, you know, is just a preference of, of Joe and I, we just like the way it sounds. Um, and so it's fun to bring it forward with that. So when you add that mid range of 
of the middle P90 to the humbucker in position two, you know, it goes from this like sort of strat on steroids thing that we say with our Jetstream 390 to this whole other weird sort of realm that sounds great with fuzz pedals because it had the mid, the extra mids sort of add articulation to fuzz pedals and i mean it's really just got a vibe of its own you know it's really cool and i don't even know how you explain that to somebody that doesn't play guitar (laughs) right we've been having that conversation around here a lot lately is how do you how do you explain all the different models to people who don't really play oh i've had that i've had that so many times when it comes to like guitar pedals and they're like yes it's a delay pedal i'm like yeah but if you've if you are picking up a guitar for the first time, no one's going to know what a delay pedal is. Oh, it's a multi-effects pedal. It's like, if you don't know what that is, like, how do you explain that? You know, you, you do forget that we do live in a uh, a pretty unique language. We're nerds. We're nerds, man. Yeah. We're nerds. Oh, I yeah. just got this Eventide Black Hole pedal. Played around <laughs> with that. Wow. Yeah, and you're just like, wow, what? Wow. <laughs> and right, and I'm a big fan of the Earthquake or Afterneath. Like, I like, I don't, I don't, some of those reverbs, I, that's just my personal opinion. Um, I think I think they're difficult in live situations because there's just so much, right? But yeah. for so much of what we do now, you know, with playing in the studio and, and demoing these products and doing this stuff, I love that big, like, reverb pad. I think it's really fun. And that black hole does that thing with that sort of, that pre-swell thing that almost does like a delay. It does, it's not reversed, but it's almost like you've added a little delay in or something. And I could just sit and screw around with that thing for hours. And I'm a big fan of that pedal. It's all the best bits, all the best bits of the H9, but I can actually use them with rotary controls. Much, much, much better. I, I, I really like it. We understand how that's different, right? And how that's not like one, one of those isn't like infringing on the other thing. You know, they're, they're different things, even though they're both like these big, huge reverbs. And there was, I was having this whole conversation about like other things that are going on in the industry right now, which shall remain nameless, you know, but like Hyundai doesn't release a new like Santa Fe SUV and the people at like Daimler or Chrysler or Jeep or whatever they are now, they, they don't point to that and go, well, I mean, we made the Wagoneer in the, you know, 50s, 60s or 70s or whatever. So, you know, this is just like the Wagoneer. But it's not because anybody who's ever, like, owned a car, you know what I mean? Like, you know the difference between these things. And and it's interesting to me, our business in particular, how many choices that you have and and so standing outside of this business, you're like, I got an electric guitar and I plug it into an amp and I play. And then you've got some yeah. guy that really does this stuff. And you're like, really? What'd you get? You know, and because, you know, I know what's going on with the, I know the difference between my my car Viceroy and a Fender Deluxe and, and, or what, and what I'm looking for with Boss pedals versus Earthquaker pedals or, or, you know, whatever, even tied, you know, how... Uh, Strymon, how crazy you can get into details with things, you know? Um, and I just, I like it all, man. I think it's all just so fantastically interesting and so cool. And um, I love seeing like new brands pop up and I'm, I'm really proud to be a part of this whole thing. And I'm glad that guys like you and, 
And I'm glad that enough people, you know, sort of respect what we do, that we're able to participate in this, this thing that's so interesting and, yeah, uh, and well, keep it moving forward in, in little incremental ways, right? Absolutely. What, what, a, what a, a wholesome sentiment uh, to, to kind of wrap the podcast up on. So, well, you know, respect, respect for the past with a nod to the future and respect for all of our contemporaries, like with a nod to the future, right? And that's, that's what it should all be about, man. I mean, you know how cool it is to, you know, I, I forget. And I try to remind myself, and I love doing stuff like this with you guys. And I love going to guitar shows and talking to people because I don't want to be like their widgets. And I don't want to think about them like their widgets. I don't, I don't want to worry about things like that. You know what I mean? And, and if they're, they're, these things are made to be played and they're made to make music with and, and, and take them and, and, you know, beat them up and make music with them and enjoy them, you know, because that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Boy, what a bunch of sappy. <laughs> well, but it's totally true, right? It's totally true. And I think the, I think the one thing that, uh, I would like to ask before we wrap up is in the last 25 years then of reverend history, can you pick out one big highlight for you? One kind of like you would have never, never even dreamt that would have been possible when you first, first started or when the company first started. Like what's the, what's, what's, what's the big point for you that you're going, yep, that's why I did it. And that's why I'm still doing it now. There's, there's been a bunch, but, um it if i had to pick one um the first time i went the first time i visited england and I, boy i hate to bring it right home to you guys cuz that sounds contrived <laughs> it sounds so contrived and this is not contrived when i was a kid in the 80s i was like you know, I was punk rock alternative kid and I was beat up a lot and called a lot of names. It wasn't glamorous. And, um, but I, I liked, you know, everybody, everybody says that, Oh, I liked everything, but I did, man. I loved Iron Maiden and I loved coroner as every bit as much as I liked the cure and love and rockets and the Bauhaus. And, and I loved Southern California, uh, hardcore then, you know, and Black Flag, and then the DC stuff, and Dag Nasty, and Bad Brains, and the New York stuff, and I, I liked everything. And but the, but funny looking back on the eighties, um, the Cure was not pop music in the eighties. The Cure was alternative music that girls with black hair and a lot of eye makeup liked. Period. You know, and it wasn't until the nineties that they really became a pop band in the U.S. Um, and so in the eighties, you know, when I, when I was in high school and all my high school girlfriends, all like the cure and the Depeche mode, and I liked the guitar music and they liked that music. And then at some point, you know, I loved Tin Machine and I, cause I really, I could never really understand what people saw in David Bowie, just to be honest, as a teenager, you know, and I liked all this different music and David Bowie was always a part of, of the alternative music scene in the eighties and people refer to David Bowie and love David Bowie. And I was like, I mean, yeah, it's cool. I don't have anything against it, but I don't really get it. You know, this is a time when he was doing that duet with Mick Jagger. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and so when Tim machine came out, I was like, Oh, 
oh, I get it. David Bowie is awesome, right? And this Tim Machine band just hit me like it, like a whole bunch of us. Like, wow, I can't believe he's doing that. And who the hell is that guitar player? And so then you flash forward almost 30 years to Penny and I flying over to England. I had never been to England as a guest of Reeves and The Cure and going to see Cure at Wembley and going to sound check with those guys and eating at The Cure's catering. You know what I mean? And thinking to myself, like, 16-year-old me would look at 46-year-old me and be like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? And like, oh, wouldn't it be fun to go back to all the girls that I dated back then? <laughs> and be like, Hi, I'm, I'm talking to Robert Smith, you know? Like, it, it's so amazing. And that, and that Reeves made it possible for us to be, you know, a part of that organization and to do that. And so standing at Wembley and watching The Cure from the side of the stage and watching my friend Reeves Cabrels playing reverend guitars in that setting at such in such a legendary venue with such a a, a hugely influential band I just it was amazing I mean there's nothing like it yeah, I can't the, even describe the feeling you know um so cool and right there and I, I've told the story with Watt I had this I had similar experience with Watt um, you know, the first time I saw Watt playing his signature bass, I just was, you know, young, you know, 16 year old me just was freaking out. Right. Um, mm. So that that man, I, I can't describe the feeling to you guys to, to you know, go from being a fan to being a part of it is really, yeah. really I, I, special. I can relate in in similar things to, to what's happened to me. And I think you're right. There's there's something about I think like you said there going back to your younger self listening to that band and being like don't worry your time will come <laughs> you know and it just being like <laughs> yeah it's it's you know you you couldn't have imagined you know listening to the, to those bands and then saying you know thinking I'm going to be side of stage it doesn't come into your thoughts really because that feels it feels impossible and I think to be in the industry and do everything you've done and that to open up to you is just amazing. And again, it will just, you know, for anyone listening, hopefully they'll go, yeah, that's why he does it. And I can't wait for the next 25 years and he might have a different story then, you know, that's, um, I know. And it's, and, and, and then that's another reason why, and I don't want to open up this whole can of worms either. That's another reason why the last couple of years were so hard because the last couple of years, then I didn't, we didn't have that interaction for, for a long time. And it took a long time for that interaction to start coming back. And it's still just coming back. You know what I mean? There's still times now where you're like, Oh, I was just out on the road with my band for the first time in, in years. We did a couple of weeks here in the States and I play in the ska band with one of the guys from the suicide machines we were out with this band called Big D and the Kids Table and going out on the road and watching people watch bands. And being on stage is great, too, but just being a part of it, it's just so, like, I don't know, man. It's just so important, you know, and I don't – Yeah. You know, and it's so funny because <laughs> I, I can't understand not understanding that. But then, you know, I don't understand a lot of sports ball either. So I, you know, I get it. so, and when I look at people like being so like emotionally involved in, you know, football and I'm like, 
okay, I'm glad they like it. I don't have anything against it. And I love going to sporting events because I'll get caught up in it when I'm there. You know, it's very easy to be excited about things. But then there's people that just don't, you know, under so, you know, to each his own. But this is this is the thing. Like, this is what we do. And just being able to be a part of it is exciting. And um, and I, I strive really hard to never lose that feeling, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that is a, a smart way to be, sir. I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get into American sports at the moment. The listeners will know I've been trying to learn about uh, baseball so that I can get into baseball. But I'm not there yet. But, but it's gonna, it's gonna happen. I need more things, more things to bet on. You bring up baseball. I just had a huge talk about cricket yesterday with my, my dad on Father's Day here. Um, and because in my mind, cricket was always like some sort of really like strangely more complicated baseball. Yeah, it's baseball with cucumber sandwiches. And it, <laughs> it turns out that baseball is actually a lot more complicated cricket when you get right down to it. Yeah, I, 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 I'm struggling. I'm, I'm honestly struggling. There's, there's, there's more to baseball than I thought. I thought it was going to be like rounders, but you know, with cool clothes. But no, it's. it's <laughs> so now, how do you guys feel about Formula One with Silverstone coming up next week? Uh, oh yeah, that would be exciting. I don't know anything about Formula One. I know a couple of our, our good, our good friend listeners uh, are Formula One fans because I see people like. Uh, people like Stuart Tate from Tate Effects always posting about it. So I know some people are into it. I don't know anything about it. I won some money on the whatever the one was the other day. I was uh, yesterday, yeah, I was on a train home. I had nothing to do. I placed a random bet on uh, on uh, Lewis Hamilton getting on the podium in some way. And he did, apparently, because, you know, I, I, I won a tenner. So there we go. Good for you. Yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, we, uh, that's gotten pretty popular in the U.S. One of the streaming platforms over here started doing like a documentary on it. And um, and it's really, really taken off here. My family has always been automotive and indie racing a lot. And I never really paid attention to Formula One until this thing started coming up. And now I find it to be quite a bit more interesting than American auto racing. And, um, and Penny, Penny's really into it. She knows stats and things that I don't even have a handle on. Um, and so, yeah, we, we watch, we, we've been into it and we watch them all. And I, I, I have yet to attend a formula one race. I've attended a lot of indie car races and NASCAR races in my lifetime, but I've never been to a formula one race. Oh yeah. So I, I did as a kid. It's, it's very, it's very good. I, I used to be into it. I need to get back into it. You're, you're making me excited about formula one again. And I'm gonna have to. I yeah, uh, I, I cannot comment on any sports. <laughs> I, I'm I, unless it actually that's a lie snooker. But um, oh yeah, snooker, yeah. Hey, when we were in in uh, the UK, I watched a lot of snooker on television over there. And I but I grew up at the pool hall down the street that had a regulation snooker table. And there were times when we would go to the pool hall and all the tables would be full and that would be the only one that nobody was playing on <laughs> because nobody knew how to play. And so my friends and I um, learned how to play. And and I'm not saying that I'm good at it, but I do play <laughs> and really, really enjoy it. I, it is really uh, – it's, it's, it's a brilliant it's game and it's very, very difficult to find here in the States. It's very difficult to find tables. And, and that pool hall that I was talking about still exists. And they removed that table to put uh, in damn. to put in electric dartboards. 
<laughs> now, I love darts, and I, I threw steel tip darts in leagues for years when I was a kid, and I'll I'll play some cricket, and I love it. Uh, but to remove the snooker table for the electronic boards was a real kick in the butt. Nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> that is a so when I come over there, we'll have to go play. Yeah, oh, that sounds great. Day. Right? I would love that. That would be awesome. And you guys are going to pummel me because it's been years, but at least I know how to play. You won't have to explain oh. it to me. He'll be fine. We can we we can have some bets. We'll have, we'll bet on uh, on a few games. It's going to be great. Great. L- well, listen, um, I'm going to need some sort of over under if we're going to be betting, okay? <laughs> because I'm not betting on on any sort of win here. That's uh, that, that sounds reasonable. Well, um, dear listener, uh, that is uh, all the time we have on this week's episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast. You can, of course, join us on Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds for an entire extra episode every week. You can become a Patreon supporter for as little as a dollar a month. At the dollar tier, you get this episode ad-free and early. $5 gets you access to the Patreon special episodes and $10 gets you the lot. Plus, I'll sing you my thanks at the end of every episode. You can uh, find us on all your favorite social media platforms and join the Guitar Nerds group on Facebook to get involved in our weekly discussion. Ken, thank you so much for coming on and being a guest. Yeah, and thank you so much for having me. And thanks again so much for the Guitar of the Year. That was awesome. That meant a lot to us and Greg. And we we were uh, we were thrilled when that. We weren't expecting that. We were like, what? So. <laughs> Absolutely no worries. It was well-deserved. Uh, we'll be back next week, dear listener, with more of this Guitar Nerdery. Farewell. See ya.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.